0: I want to talk to you this weekend about the Father heart of God. When I say the word Father, certain emotions, memories come into your heart. Some of those are good. For some of us, there are some negative associations. And I'm asking you to come on a journey with me this weekend. We're going to go go on a journey into the, the very heart of the Father we're going to ask him to reveal wrong concepts, wrong ideas that we have about him so that we can come into a fuller and more complete relationship with him. Now, Scripture reveals God as this trinity, this triunity of beings, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and the first person that we, that we have contact with is Jesus. And Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the way to the Father's heart. And 44 years ago, I sat where you guys sat. I was a student at Montana State State University. I was pursuing a degree in electrical engineering. I always liked technical things. And from uh, my youngest years, I always wanted to be an engineer. So I pursued that at Montana State University And and during my four years of college, the Holy Spirit started dealing with me, and I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. I really didn't know much about Christianity at all. But one by one, God began to knock the props, the things that I was trusting in, the things that I thought would make a successful life, things that would, you know, really work. And so it's like one by one, God started dissing those. You know, he disses our illusions, doesn't he? As, you know, disillusionment. God disses our illusions to bring us to reality. And so that's really, that really describes my four years of college. And I'm so grateful that during those years, there were authentic Christians on my campus that weren't just churchgoers. They weren't just religious people, but they were living an authentic relationship with Jesus. And that made an impact on me. And I, sh- I want to tell you one of many, because there was a whole sequence of people that, that, that in their own way, see, God was using them to present his case, God's case, that he was real. And that's what it means to be a witness, isn't it? And sometimes that's a verbal witness, And we all, we have to share the gospel. We have to talk about the word of God. That's part of our mandate. Sometimes our witness is just out of who we are. Because we're living a life and people recognize that there is something different about us. So I want to encourage you because during your years of college, you, you have the best opportunity to influence people. Because it's a time, you're, you, college is a time of crossroads, it's a time of searching, it's a time of asking questions. And you, you guys, you will never have a better network of people than you do in college. It is, it is such a goldmine. And when you transition out of the academic world into the working world, it's just different. It's, I mean, there's still opportunities, but there, there are such great opportunities. And, and I, I just pray that all of you really take that seriously. Because you have an opportunity to bring the gospel to many, many people. So this is a, a, a beautiful October, crisp Montana morning. It was a beautiful blue big sky. The leaves had just turned. And they were golden yellow. And I, and I was in one of those, um, you know, c- kind of down blue funk moments. And I ended up skipping my numerical analysis class that morning and I didn't skip very many engineering classes because engineering was such a challenging curriculum for me. I, mean, I just couldn't afford to miss many classes. But I was just, I was just feeling so, so down this particular day that I went in the student center and I got a chocolate ice cream cone at nine o'clock. And uh, you know, chocolate cures all ills, right? <laughs> so I, I've got my chocolate ice cream cone. I sit down underneath this beautiful tree with the golden leaves and the in the crisp air and I'm sitting on the ground licking on my chocolate ice cream cone, and this, this student, who I had never met before, in fact, this is the first time a stranger ever approached my life with the gospel, and this young man, I could imagine me, I'm sitting licking on my ice cream cone, and this young man, he, he comes and he, he does this, he says, praise the Lord, I'm on the ground, he's standing up, I had never heard anyone say praise the Lord, and and he said, can I talk to you? And See, I'm a hippie. Make love, not war. So, I'm, you know, I'm cool. So I said, sure. So, so he sits down with me. And out of his backpack, he pulls out a little Bible that's the size of my wallet. Now, in my day, all Bibles weighed 25 pounds. And they were about this big. They had gold pages and the big black holy Bible. See, I thought all Bibles were these massive tones. I didn't know they made little Bibles. And so this guy pulls a New Testament out he opens it and he starts reading the scripture to me this is bizarre and he reads several verses from these funny sounding names like ephesians what's that and he would read these verses and then he would look at me and he'd say you need to get saved <laughs> no idea what he was talking about and then he then he read another verse and, and after reading several more verses he'd look at me again he say, you need to get saved and, it probably went on for about ten minutes, and it, and then, as suddenly as he came, he uh, put his Bible away. He stood up and he said, "Praise the Lord," and and he left. <laughs> and I'm sure that that young man walked away totally discouraged. Because I didn't punch his lights out or anything, and I, I wasn't even in a mood for debating. I just listened, probably quite apathetically listened. And, and, and see, from his viewpoint, what he did had just been a complete waste of time. Now, let me describe what happened on the inside of me. I'm in a place of darkness. And, and see, God is removing the things that I was putting my trust in. He was removing all of my security systems. Why? Because God wanted to make me suffer? No, he wants to bring us to himself. And, and he has to bring us to the point where we see that we need Jesus. And see, that's what was happening to me. And so, as this young man with, with great enthusiasm and, and with great zeal read the scripture to me, I realized this young man has something that I do not have. See, he had really what I had been searching for. And that was a sense of meaning and purpose and what he doesn't know that as he was just vibrantly reading the scripture god sent a little laser beam of light into my dark dark world and i lived in a dark world because so i didn't know jesus i didn't know i didn't know that you could know god and so i did i lived in a dark place even though on the outside i was the life of the party i was a bmoc you know big man on campus and all that That was my outward persona, but inside, see, I was dying on the inside. But that intersection, that changed the trajectory of my life because after that encounter in October, I started asking questions, and I started kind of doing my part to seek the Lord. Six months later, Chi Alpha on my campus sponsored a rock and roll concert. I was actually the sound man for the concert, and I really liked this guy had no idea that he had become a disciple of Jesus. And so I went to the concert, and while sitting at the sound table, mixing the sound, I had a revelation of Jesus, and everything changed in my life. Now, now when I say a revelation of Jesus, a revelation is when the Holy Spirit takes the written word of God and makes it real to us. See, no, that has to happen for each one of us, not only in our initial conversion, but it needs to happen continually as Jesus gives us spiritual revelation of who he is, what he calls us to, and what the kingdom of God is all about. Remember, remember in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asks his disciples, they, they'd been with him a couple of years by this time, he asks them a question. He says, who do people say the son of man is? they start giving a readout of answers well some say john the baptist some say one of the prophets and then and then jesus asked a harder question he said but who do you say that i am and i love peter because he was always the one that would jump in feet first and and peter responded didn't he and he said and, and, and you guys i think this happened as he said the words he said you're the messiah Oh my goodness, this is the person that's been promised in the Old Testament. See, I think something happened to Peter as he articulated what the Spirit... See, the Spirit was revealing who Jesus really was. And, and when he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, I think something happened irreversibly, happened in Peter's life. In fact, Jesus affirms it and he says, Peter... Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. In other words, it was not an academic decision that you came to. You didn't learn this by studying books and thinking. But it came because Father gave you a spiritual revelation. And that's what we all want. Not just in our initial encounter with Jesus, but we need spiritual revelation as we continually walk with the Lord and as we continually understand who he is. And so that's, that's what happened to me. And I, I, when I decided to follow Jesus, I really have never looked back. And I really attribute that to the years that, the, the four years of college, God taught me really clearly what didn't work. And so when I came to Jesus, it's like I got all that foolishness out of my system. And I've had this incredible privilege and joy of walking with Jesus now for 44 years. So we have intimate relationship with Jesus. Now, the second person is is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the power of God. And see, when the Spirit comes, Jesus gives us an anointing of power that validates the testimony of Jesus. See, Jesus wants to validate his word. He wants to affirm and confirm to people that he is who he says he is. And so the Holy Spirit gives us an anointing. This is what we we talk as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And and you guys, just as meeting Jesus is a real event in our lives, even if you come as a process, and that's totally valid. I had one of those cataclysmic, you know, boom, <laughs> kinds of conversions to Christ, and that happens to some of us, and for others of us, it's a process, and both are valid, because God deals with us as individuals, doesn't he? The, the important thing is we just we come across the line, and we begin to walk with him. So, the, the Holy Spirit, see, we have a similar definitive moment where the Holy Spirit comes to us and he wants to develop an intimacy, excuse me, an intimacy where we hear his voice and we learn to interpret the communication. See, God is always speaking. Matthew 4 4 says, Jesus says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, present tense, that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, I love Francis Schaeffer, years ago, wrote a book called He is There and He's Not Silent. See, God communicates, doesn't he? And, and part of my role as a disciple is I need to learn to figure out what does that look like? See, what I, I want to I learn to recognize and properly interpret by the scripture when God is communicating with me so that his power can flow through my life. Now, we're going to have a breakout session tomorrow after lunch. And if you have questions about the baptism of the Spirit, I just invite you to attend my breakout session. There will be other excellent breakout sessions. But I encourage you, we'll look at what the Scripture says and there's going to be an opportunity for for you to receive prayer if, if that's your desire like i want an intimate relationship with the holy spirit i've been baptized in the holy spirit now for 44 years and and please hear my heart i am not bragging okay i just i'm just reporting to you but there's hardly a week that goes by that i am not aware of god doing something supernatural through my life. Now, it may not be sensational and super hyper-charismatic, but it's, it's God touching people. It's, it's Jesus doing his ministry through us as his people. My wife and I, we do a program in Bozeman called Summer Job Project. We invite Chi students from all over the country to come to Bozeman. We already have employer partners, so we already have jobs. We live together in our ministry center. We have a residential ministry center that can house 30 students. So we have men on one floor, women on the other floor. So we work during the day, and then in the evenings, we do Bible studies and training. And on the weekends, we do mountain adventures. We, we live in country that, you, you know, I've been told there's mountains all around us, and so we'll see for sure tomorrow if that's true. But Bozeman is the same kind of country. We just live in this incredible picturesque place and so we do a lot of hiking and take a trip we spend a day down in Yellowstone National Park three overnight backpack trips you guys you really haven't lived until you've been on a 7,000 foot mountain on a clear moonless night and see the stars from 7,000 feet you can literally see the ribbons of the Milky Way See, when, the, when you're down low, the air filters out so much of that. But at 7,000 feet, you get a whole lot clearer view of the stars that are, that are already there. And so we, in, we invite students to come. Unfortunately, well, Montana switched to semesters, and so now we're out of sync with the schools in your state. So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. The, it's, the opportunity for you to come is not present. Okay, so so our students, all of them got filled with the Holy Spirit this summer. Many of them were, and those that weren't, were, they were received. Uh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we saw this summer five verified healings while they were working on the job. Yeah, it was just amazing. One of the young men, he he, he worked in a, um, a food service area of the hotel. And, and one of the, his coworkers, one of his friends, got burned with grease. And that's... Painful, it's tough. And so she, you know, she screamed and, you know, it, it burned a patch of her arm. And, and so, so, so Brandon said, Well, can I pray for you? And she said, Yeah, whatever, it hurts so bad. So he prayed for her and she said, Wow, the pain's kind of gone down. It's not feeling too bad. And by the next day, a new layer of skin had already started growing. And w- within 10 days, you couldn't even tell that she had had a burn. It was, and she said, Wow, this is God. She, she got another burn about two months later. First thing she did is run to Brandon and say, Hey, pray for me, pray for me. <laughs> it's the testimony of healing. And guys, Jesus wants to do that through every one of us. And then the third door that we walk through is the relationship with the Father. And that's what we're going to concentrate on tonight and tomorrow and Sunday. You see, whether. I behave as a slave or a son is determined by how I view my heavenly father. And you guys, the greatest thing is that none of us had perfect parents. You know, and you ask my kids, they will tell you how imperfect my wife's and my parenting was. I think we were good parents, but there's no perfect parents, are there? But see, you guys, and some of you had maybe far less than perfect parents that could have done. A much better job but you know your heavenly father he will reparent you see he will he will allow you to have all of those experiences and things that maybe your parents didn't or couldn't do for you your heavenly father will do that because he's committed to parenting you and raising you up to be the person that he desires you to be hallelujah now, listen, I love the Gospel of John, John 1.12, one of the more significant verses in, in the New Testament. It says, Yet all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Notice Jesus did not say the right to go to heaven. Now, how many of you know that's, that's the benefit? And, and heaven is a tremendous place. And uh, it, I tell you, you know, Christians have a great retirement package, We really do, man. It's literally out of this world. It's it's great. But you you guys, the goal of the Christian life is not just to go to heaven. As wonderful as that all is. But see, the goal of the Christian life is to become someone. See, it's to become the person that the Father desires you to be. See, we all have a destiny. We all have a purpose. Now, don't think in terms of, okay, we're all going to go into full-time ministry, you know, like Michael and Carol. Well, some of you will do that, undoubtedly. But you guys, most of you are going to be in the marketplace. You're going to be lawyers and engineers and janitors and auto mechanics and nurses and doctors and... All of the things in life. Because Jesus needs people in every one of those echelons of society to represent him. And see, there's purpose. There's destiny. There is design. And as I understand my relationship with my heavenly father, I begin to grow in that sense of purpose. And see, in order for me to be a son, I must know my heavenly father. I guess sonship, it's not a gender issue. We're, we're all sons of God biblically, aren't we? Just like we're all the bride of Christ. See, so, so don't stumble on, on, on the, the gender designations because our Father is all-inclusive. He gives sons and daughters an inheritance. But See, if, if we're going to be everything that Father wants us to be, I have to know my heavenly Father. Jesus goes on, and John goes on, verse 13, Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. So this divine action that initially occurs as we're born again, we're reconnected with the creator. We're reconnected with our heavenly father. And then we embark upon this journey of discovery Of of, of us discovering, this is my purpose. And see, you guys, that's what I struggled with. When we come to the Lord, we all have hooks, don't we? I mean, God, because we're all different. But this was my hook. And see, the thing that bothered me when I was in college, before I met the Lord, is I could not bear the thought of living in a meaningless universe. That's what bothered me. And my professors didn't have answers. The, the false religions that I looked into, nobody had answers. And I, w- and I was, you know, a- approaching graduation with, with a sense of horror, f- thinking that, you know, there is nothing ultimate to live for. And that's where Jesus came, revealed himself, and showed me that, yes, you, Dick, you do have purpose. And you guys, each one of you has purpose. Do you, know, do you know that God's glory is so complex that it's going to take a billions of brothers and sisters in, hell, in, in, in heaven all throughout history to accurately reflect who he is? I mean, that's, that's how deep, that's how complex the glory of God is. And that means that, see, each one of us are designed to reflect a unique aspect of the glory of God. It's like a gigantic jigsaw puzzle, you know? And, and in heaven, see, the heaven is going to be the, the collecting of all of the puzzle pieces from all of the ages. All of the the righteous men and women that have loved God and loved truth and, and, ha- and have been reconciled by Jesus' finished work And in heaven is going to be the putting together of that gigantic puzzle through which we're all going to gasp and see the glory of God. And you will have a part in that. You're not the whole thing. We're just one piece. But without your presence, it will subtract from the whole picture, won't it? See, that we're so significant to the Father. And you guys the, the world system tries to diminish our value. See Satan wants to he he wants to obliterate the image of God within us. He he wants just to make you another cog in the in the giant machine or like Pink Floyd sang, just another brick in the wall, you know? <laughs> that's what Satan wants you to, say, you're just another brick in the wall. No, no, you're a son, you're a daughter and uniquely uni- you uniquely reflect his glory. John 1.14, I love this. So the word became human and dwelt among us and lived on, on earth here among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the only son of the father. So now what's God's goal? God's goal, he wants to reveal his glory through sons and daughters. When we, every year when we do summer job project, this, this summer we had 28 students from all over the country. And of course, most of us don't know each other. So we, we spend the first week uh, doing orientation. And part of the orientation is that, that we all share our stories. So if, if you love me, you'll love my story, right? If I love you, I will be interested and I will love your story. And one one of the uh, very consistent themes that I hear, because part of the testimony, I say, how did you get connected with Chi Alpha? For for, uh, uh, probably a little less than half, they didn't even know Jesus before they came to college. It was really through the the witness and the outreach of the Christians on campus that they actually came to a born-again relationship with Jesus. For those that came already a Christian, and boy, praise God for that, the consistent testimony I hear is that, you know, I came to Caiapha. I I thought it was going to be just like my youth group, and I'm not dissing youth groups, okay? That's not where I'm at. But they say, you know, I came and I saw something different. I saw something different. These people were serious about obeying the Bible, and, and I could see something. And I, and I was welcomed into a community. That's what love is. I was welcomed into the body of Christ. And for most of them, they say, I got addicted forever. I never want to leave this. And see, that, see, that's what, that's what Jesus, he, he wants, the Father wants to reveal his glory through his sons and daughters through us as we live our lives together. Three of our students, or excuse me, five of our students worked at a new, we got a new employer partner in Montana and it's called Montana Linen. They're a commercial laundry. They do the linen for hospitals and restaurants all over the state. So it's it's a big operation and they, they have these gigantic washing machines and gigantic dryers and it's hot laborious work because you do a lot of folding and ironing. So so these, these five guys and 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 see, every day they said, Now, Lord, would you use us? That's a good prayer to pray, isn't it? Lord, let, let your glory be reflected through my life. And so these five guys, they, they did that. And at the end of the summer, their fellow employees, they had a little going away party because they, they were going to miss these guys. And here's what the, their fellow workers said. They said, you know, we heard that you guys were uh, church guys, so we weren't quite sure how, how, what, what kind of guys you were going to be. We, just, we, we had no idea if this was going to be a downer or what. But they, it, but it, but they said, instead, y- you brought something to the, to the workplace. And one employee said, I used to not look forward to coming to work because this was a place of gossip and negative words. I really didn't enjoy working here but you guys brought something to the, into, this, into the workplace where we like coming to work. The conversation has changed, and it's become more uplifting. See, the glory of God was being revealed through these five brothers as they lived their life together. Brian, the manager, gave his life to Jesus. Jesus. He's a little older. He's, he's, yeah, he's a little older because he's a manager. But he said, I saw something. And so he would ask these guys, what makes you so happy? And they'd tell him. It's, a, it's because of Jesus. And Brian gave his life to Jesus. And Joy and I have the privilege because these guys, they're all, they're all gone back to their respective campuses. But we're meeting with Brian. He is hungry to know the Lord. And God's at work in his life. But see, you guys, that's what we bring. See, we're not just bringing religion. We're, we're, not, just, we're, not, we're not just club members that attend Club Chi Alpha. But we are representatives of the living God, and we bring his life everywhere we go. People watch you. And, and especially if, if, you, if you make it known that you're a Christian, and there's appropriate ways of doing that, isn't there? You don't have to be a Bible banger. You don't have to be obnoxious about it. Back in um, Michael's in my day, you know, if you carried your Bible around, that, that was a good signal, wasn't it? People, whoa, you're a religious person. Well, we don't carry them around, books around so much so they're all on our, our, our other devices. But there's other ways, see, of signaling. And, and, and I encourage um, when all, my, when all my folks, when they graduate and go into the marketplace... I, I would encourage them. I said, now, when you enter this new job, right away, make it known that you're a Christian. Not obnoxiously, not unkindly, but just very naturally. But I said, take a stand. So, see, they know who you are, and then they won't be freaked out when you follow that up with by talking about the Bible and answers to prayer. Start asking them about their lives. Because how many of you know you go a year and then you start doing that, it's hard. Because everyone goes, Well, you never said this before. It's just so much easier to take a stand and then and then people they, they know how to respond properly to you. And if you're going into the marketplace with prayer, God's gonna He's gonna bless your witness. Now the word did not become a philosophy, a theory, or a concept to be discussed, debated, or pondered, but the word became a person to be passionately enjoyed and followed and loved. So ultimately, Christianity is not a religion, but it's following the person of Jesus and loving him with all of our hearts. Author Robert Frost, not the poet, but this is the author Robert Frost, he says this, one mark of the spirit-filled Christian is his desire to relate his life to, his, to the purpose of his heavenly father for this hour in history. There is an awareness of divine destiny which constrains us to be about our Father's business. Do you know, do you know the Father has a job assignment for you? He, he, there's reasons why you are where you are. There's reasons why you are in the classes that you are. There's reasons that you have the network of friends that you have. There's reasons why I have the neighbors that I have where I live. Because, see, God is sovereignly working behind the scenes. He brings people together because he knows that our witness is what is needed in that person's life. And if we'll, if, if, see, if, if you guys, if you can get a grasp of, oh, okay, Father, this, this is my job assignment. I guarantee that you will lead a life of significance. Because there's nothing more significant than doing the Father's will, is there? It's like, man, I'm, I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission for God. It's like the old movie, you know. But see, when, when that gets into our spirit, then nothing in life is mundane. Nothing in life is meaningless because everything I do... There is business that the Father has and he wants me to accomplish. Now let's wrap this up. Psalms 23. This is this is, I believe, David's most famous Psalm, and Psalms 23, 5 says this. David declares, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Now listen, David. Cultivated his relationship with the lord didn't he? He was the one appointed to do the sheep, and that was a lonely job. That meant he was a lot of time away from the family he He experienced isolation of being out out in the fields, weeks on end with the sheep and and it, I think it, it had the potential for being a very lonely place, but David took that time to seek the lord didn't he and see The Psalms, the ones that he wrote, those are his memoirs, and and it describes the kind of relationship that he was developing. And I love it, that God gives David a revelation of the Father's table. And, and, And now, because it's in the Scripture, I believe universally there's a table that the Father has set for each one of us. And on that table... God provides everything that you need to fulfill your destiny. And you guys, when God puts dreams and visions in your heart, it's not something you can fulfill by your own strength, is it? In fact, most of the time it's impossible, isn't it? In fact, that's the signature of God. God asks us to do the impossible, that which is humanly impossible. Because he asks us to, Dick, will you trust me? Will you you trust me? Will you believe that I can do that? And when I step up to the plate and say, Lord, I'm going to do that, then he comes through and then his name is glorified. And so I picture my, my time every day with the Lord, I picture this as a time of sitting at the Father's table. And I said, "Okay, now, Father, you've got you've got an assignment. I'm so excited to be here with you guys this weekend. And by the way, I, I'm you know tomorrow if you want to talk, I'm I'm here to serve you. And so if you know you want to have a conversation um, during the free time, I'm around. I want to just be available to you as much as I can. Because I said, Lord, I I'm, I am here to serve. I, I am here to be your servant. And whatever you have in mind, I want to see." that accomplished through my life. And so I had a 12-hour drive today from Montana, and, and I did. I, I prayed in the Spirit, and I just sat at the Father's table. I enjoyed tremendous fellowship with Jesus. And I was just saying, now, Jesus, just, just make this weekend life-changing for every person that comes and I'm trying to listen. Lord, what are you saying? What do you want me to do? You know, just, I'm, just, I'm just entering into this, this constant dialogue with the Father. And that, you guys, that's what walking in the Spirit is. It's, it's maintaining this internal dialogue with God. Because he, he communicates. He speaks to you. You read the Word, and then he brings those verses back to your mind. You think about it. and it gives you fresh understanding about that. See, that's the normal Christian life that each one of us get to walk in that level every day. Now, I'd like you to close your eyes with me. And I want you to imagine a table. And on that table, I just want you to visualize that that everything that you need it's already been provided for you. Loneliness is a universal human deficiency. And marriage does not cure loneliness. Because you're, des- you're designed that that need would be met by God. Like Blaus Pascal said that we're of a, the God-shaped void. He's the French Christian that coined that phrase 300 years ago. And it's so true. See, only God can fill that void inside. And so I overcome loneliness by developing my sense of fellowship with the Lord. And I do that by learning to sit at his table every day. We have... We all have needs inside because we're all imperfect people. Some of us have, have some deep pains and distortions that have happened to us. And the father says, son, I've, I have provision for that at my table. Things that you've been struggling with, things that you've been wanting to overcome, but it, it just hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. father says, I'm going to help you, and we're going to work this out together. And for some of you, the Lord says, the pain is going to go away. It's not going to be perpetual pain all of your life. Because the Lord is the healer of the brokenhearted. He's the one who gives hope when there is no hope. Now, as you're, as you're seated at the table... Just imagine that the father is standing on the other side of that table. And as, as you would just gaze up into his face, what is the expression on the father's face? Are his arms extended? Is there a big smile on his face? And, and he's just communicating, Oh, I am so glad that you've come. I love you so much. I have so much that I want to pour into your life. Because see, that's, that's an accurate view of our Heavenly Father. But see, not all of us see God that way. Some of us may see him as an angry father. Or perhaps there's disappointment in his face. Maybe his arms are folded and... There's a sense of disgust, and he's shaking his head in a negative way, saying, oh, it's you again. Can't you get it together? And see, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do this weekend, is that he wants to come, and he wants to, he wants to correct the wrong distortions, and he wants to bring a, a fresh revelation of who Father really is. So would you just say, Jesus, I give you permission. I just give you permission to to do a baggage check through my life. And Lord, I give you permission to point out the distorted views that I have of you. Lord, I allow you to touch some of the deep disappointments that I've gone through. Some of you have faced situations that you've never told anyone about but they're real in your heart. And the father is just gently, he's knocking. He's knocking on the door of that that bad memory, that painful situation. He's knocking. And he said, would you let me in? Because I'm the healer. I'm the redeemer. And I'm the one that can turn those terrible things into something of beauty. Isaiah says, he gives me beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for, for mourning, and that's depression, the oil of joy for depression, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. See, the Lord, he says, I want to take your pain, and I want to replace it with my wholeness, with my love, and with my grace. So you just say yes to the Father this weekend. He's going to do some major work in our hearts. And as he does this major work of healing and transformation, then more of his glory is revealed in our countenance. More of his love is revealed in our actions. More of his truth and integrity are manifest as we walk with him. So, Jesus, we just see what you've begun tonight, I pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, just come to us. Each, you're so good at this, Lord. You know where we're at. You, you, you are so wise. You are so individual. And I just pray that you'll come to each one of us in the way that that needs to occur so that we can take a gigantic step forward in knowing the, the great love that you have for us, Father. I just ask you to seal this now in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said together, amen, amen.